It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now... Here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. It's Monday, the aftermath. We call it win or lose. Raiders still looking for their first win. They're the only team in the NFL without a tie or a win. So that's pretty shocking. I think a lot of people are trying to come to grips with why the Raiders can't put together a full game. On the positive side, the Raiders are explosive. And that's really their only saving grace that they have, I think, the rest of the season. The strength of this team, and if you look at the numbers and how they're scoring points, and then how they could score. Look at Matt Collins. If the Raiders won that game, and they didn't, but if they won the game, today's entire show is Matt Collins, and we can't do it. All I can do is play some sound bites of some touchdown and a great catch, but Matt Collins lost the glory of that victory because the team lost. Same with Devontae. As I mentioned the first hour, Devontae, Devontae's pissed. You know, when I saw him in the locker room leaving, he, he was not happy. He was not happy, and a couple of journalists were around him trying to get quotes. You know, I use that term in sports a lot. The wolves are at the door. Journalists have the right to come in and ask tough questions and write tough articles. Read the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Read Ed Graney. Read Vinny Bonsignor. Read some of the insiders like Paul Gutierrez, who I talked to after the game. They see what's happening here, how close the Raiders could be, but they're not getting it done, and you got to write about the final score. You got to talk about it on the radio when we're doing it. So the saving grace for the Raiders, if they start winning, you notice I said if, because you're never guaranteed to win, no matter who you play, is that they have this really big explosive offense. They're going to get Renfro back out of concussion protocol. Devontae's completely healthy. Waller is a stud. He had a couple of drops in the game. He did. He's getting the criticism of this. And Holland's had a big game. Holland's had a monster game. So why don't the Raiders just decide to go down with that? Just go balls out. Play up tempo. You know, I talked to Lincoln Kennedy about it. I hope you're listening to Lincoln. He is damn good. On the broadcast, And one of the things I asked Lincoln, I said, Lincoln, why aren't they playing faster and more up tempo? Well, the offensive line is a work in progress. You got to feel like you can control your offensive line if you're going to run no huddle. You got to hope that they all get to the ball. They set their feet. They don't false start. And they're false starting all over the place. And <laughs> they're not running up tempo. So you got me and the third person, JT, screaming, play faster, play faster. Really? Well, if they play faster, are they going to make more mistakes? I think they're at a desperate point in the season where they have to play faster. I really do. I think they have to play fast unless they have a big lead. And they had a big lead against Arizona, and they got bogged down. And they decided to pass when they should have ran the ball and it cost them the game. And the defense couldn't get off the field. But in that game against Tennessee, with, with like two minutes to go in the third quarter, why were they huddling? Why were they taking time off the clock, which we all knew, best case scenario, it would come down to the final minute. 
Why don't we take those numbers important? If the stock market crashes 1,000 points in February and it goes up 100 points in November, they still look at it for the year. And what's happening here, that's my background in the markets and all this. And I'm looking at this, it's like the stock market. Four days a week, the market's down, literally. One day a week, it's up. Well, if you know it's going to be down four days a week, get aggressive. Get that, get your money out of it completely or find something to buy when you think it's low. I don't see the sense of urgency during the game, body language, sense of urgency to get the offense going more. I know Josh McDaniels has the plays. I know Derek Carr has run the plays a hundred times. I know Devontae Adams will catch anything near his hands. Waller normally will too. So just keep going. Play faster. Get him more looks. Problem is when you play fast, if you go three and out like they did against Arizona, then you better hope you can stop someone on defense. You better hope. Uh, this team needs Denzel Perryman. I'm, you know, I'm going on another radio show after this show, and they're going to ask me this question. I know this rodeo. They're going to say, JT, what's the biggest problem with the team? Is it the coach? Is it the quarterback? I'm going to say, no, it's the middle linebacker. Denzel Perryman has missed the last two games. Without Denzel Perryman, the middle of the field is wide open. It's wide open. Everybody's running through the middle of the field. And guys are reacting, and they're reacting late. That's, that's what I see the big problem is. If Perryman's healthy, they, win half, they have at least one win, maybe two. And then Trayvon Merrick on the back end. Jonathan Abram, we got Kansas City coming up and Russell Wilson with Jonathan Abram on the field. That's going to be tough because they're running plays directly at Jonathan Abram in the passing game. Uh, it's called misdirection. Who's better at misdirection than Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson? All time. I'm not talking about the last five years. I'm talking about the last hundred years. Who's better at starting a play one way and going the other way other than Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson? I'll go Mahomes one, and I'll go Russell Wilson somewhere in the top five. Those guys are coming. And they're looking at this defense, and they're saying, Patrick Graham's defense, are good for one half. One half, we're going we're gonna to gouge them, and the other half, we'll find a way to win the game. And the Raiders need Derek Carr to match that. Derek Carr doesn't play one-on-one basketball. Derek Carr's a quarterback. This year, he's lost to Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, and Ryan Tannehill. He's got Russell Wilson and Mahomes next. All right, where's the Derek A-plus game? Where's the Derek game? And Derek has a lot of these games like we saw yesterday in Nashville. He plays good enough to win. Derek played good enough to win that game. When Derek got off the bus in Nashville, he was ready to play. The defense gave up. Three touchdowns on three drives and buried Derek Carr in that game. Buried him. Now Derek Carr has got to get the team and put him on his shoulders. He threw the ball to Darren Waller. He had two drop touchdowns. Not drop balls and one that he missed that he could have got. Derek put the ball where they needed to be. You got to make the plays for Derek Carr if Derek Carr is not going to get sacked and extend the play and get the ball to you. Look at the touchdown to Hollins. He just threw a ball that he could get and Hollins went up and made the play. He tried to throw that pass to Waller so Waller would make a big play. And on the last play of the game, it, it didn't happen. He didn't high point it. And Josh Jacobs is good for 60 yards a game. Not 130. Where's the 130-yard a game? Where's the 130? Where's the 119? Where's the 98 yards? Josh is a workhorse. He's a 60-yard-a-game guy. The Raiders have had legendary running backs. Clem Daniels, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson. Guys like Tyrone Wheatley would give you, guys would give you games. 
Napoleon Kaufman would give you a 130-yard game. Josh has got to do that. The excuse, there's always an excuse. Well, the offensive line isn't good enough. The holes aren't big enough. I got it. They, they, there's no more excuses. You've got to win a game. You've got to beat Denver. How the Raiders going to beat Denver, that's our priority starting tomorrow. Today's the aftermath as we get it out. We get it out of our bodies. We get the poison out of our bodies, and we move on to the rest of the week. And a friend of mine said to me today, earlier today, he calls me, he goes, how are you going to handle the rest of the year with this? I go, what? How dare you ask me? That's what I do. I go, I'm not worried about the season. This is easy. It's easy to take 30 calls after a loss. That's not hard work. What sucks for me is January through August. January through August is my tough time. That's where I got to get people in the door. Because if they don't make the playoffs and we're not talking playoffs, I got to kill from January to August getting people interested. And I'm not talking about third string wide receivers. I don't talk about backup offensive linemen. Other shows want to do that. They can do it. I talk about winning championships and how to get to the playoffs and win playoff games. You think I'm going to sit here in March and talk about who's available in free agency to be a backup guard? No. There's a sense of urgency right now. Right now, and it's in that locker room. I was on the plane last night with the team. I talked to players. I saw coaches. There's a big sense of urgency. They're this close. They've had a lot of bad luck, a lot of balls that could have went one way or the other. That's the difference between 2-1 and one or 1-2. One and two. But you are what your record is, and they're 0-3. Let's get out to Jordan in Oregon. Jordan, thanks for starting us off. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, JT. I appreciate it. I wanted to say just to piggyback off your say what you're saying. You know, a couple balls away from being two and one and all that. You know, all 32 teams probably have a story similar to that mm-hmm. where they could ha- shake out a win or two. And so, no, no disrespect on that. And I like how you start your show off with talking about respect because you guys, you content creators, I appreciate you guys. That's how I get through my day. But my points are, I just want to make real quick is. You know, there's two types of teams. There's what I like to refer to as like the rookie rebuild. A lot of that involves a little bit of tanking that goes involved, you know, hence Jacksonville, hence some of these teams that have been doing that a little bit lately and coming out with a early round quarterback and the early side of the first round. And there's also veteran teams, playoff teams. And, you know, McDaniels, when he came in, I knew there'd be a sense of urgency. I like that word. I knew there'd be a sense of, of not a lot of patience, short leash, however you want to word it. But until we actually dove into the season, I, I didn't think I, I didn't really know how fast I would escalate, I guess. And here we are, you know, almost at the quarter mark next week. And if uh, I want to believe that, you know, if we're going to be at our bye week two and two and three. There's no reason we can't get a couple divisional wins. We've done that in the past. We can do it again. You know, we're a good team. We've got mm-hmm. some talent. And that's what I'm trying to say here, though, if. Things do unravel, and I think it's okay to look at both sides of it. I, I wasn't sitting here at O and O talking about O and five, but we're O and three now. Things unravel a bit. We get to that bye week. I, I'm I'm just wondering where is that patience level with the ownership? Is this? Is, I know it's not like a Gruden regime where he came in and had a ten year plan, and 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 I, I don't even want to go to that. But mm-hmm. I I just don't know what to expect with McDaniel. Yeah, is he going to get a second shot? Like. Let's say we do go 0 and 5, 0 and 6. Are we going to start looking at quarterbacks in the draft shaking things up? I mean, yeah, I don't think where so. Do you see that? I don't think so. It's a fair question. Thanks for the call. I mean, you know, Mark Davis spoke to him yesterday after the game. He speaks to him after every game. I think that was a little bit blown out of proportion. Again, I wasn't down there. I didn't have a stopwatch on it. I don't know how long Mark spoke to Josh. I have no idea. I know that there was media members waiting for Josh McDaniel. So if it felt long, if it was long. 
you know, I'll, I'll let them comment on that. But, you know, Mark Davis made a bold decision. He made a bold decision not coming back with Rich Passaccio, who did a fine job and led the Raiders to the playoffs. He did a long-term move with the team to try to have an organization on the football side in place to be consistently great for years to come. And the team's 0-3. And Mark Davis isn't flipping over desks saying the plan is wrong. Why, why do you think they interviewed Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels for as long as they did and brought in everybody else around the league for interviews? And they settled on these guys because their plan is damn solid. I'm not saying it's perfect because they're 0-3. But I know the plan. I've been in meetings. I've talked to these guys. I know what they're trying to do. And it's, it's okay when fans lose their mind. It's all right when you're pissed off at 0-3. But everybody understands the plan. I, I made the comparison to the stock market or the economy or whatever it is in your life, real estate and interest rates. There are certain days you think you know everything, and then boom, the next day the sky's falling when it comes to business, the economy, this or that. You think you have the plan, and then you have to adjust. I think that Dave Ziegler is a really sharp guy, super sharp, and I think that Dave has a plan in place. It's not concrete yet. He doesn't have the offensive line. I think that's a priority. Do you think Dave Ziegler thought he'd lose Trayvon Merrick? You think Dave thought he'd lose Denzel Perryman for the first two out of three games and they're getting gouged down the middle? That wasn't part of the plan. You know, they, they didn't show up week three of the preseason going, hey, hey, Graham, come on in here. What happens if we lose Merrig and we lose our, our signal play caller on defense going into Arizona and Tennessee? No, it's the next man up. And those guys got to do a good job, and they're not as good as the starters who are going out for injuries. Bud Dupree didn't play. Terrell Lewan, Tennessee had injuries too. I think the Raider injury story is really, really a big story. Uh, I mean, huge story of the injuries because the guys who are injured are so significant in what's happening to the Raiders' defenses and the one half to another. I think Perryman is Perryman being gone for these two out of three games is devastating. You know, Andre James going down is a big deal. Concussion, they're okay. And put another center in there and they're okay. Andre James isn't Rodney Hudson. Okay, he's not Jim Otto. He's very good at that. Denzel Perryman, the drop-off from Perryman to Diablo or another linebacker is massive. And the Raiders are suffering through that. They got to get these guys healthy. And I think when they get healthy, they're going to play better, but the schedule's getting away from them. I, I often talk about that in all sports, if you listen to me. The schedule is big. Why do you think I lost my mind when the schedule came out? It's the closest thing you heard from me ever to Conspiracy Theory Radio. It's like, why don't we not have one? We only have one primetime game. Okay, that, that, that doesn't seem fair. We win all the primetime games at home, and we're Vegas. We're getting screwed. I said, why is the schedule so tough in the beginning? Why don't we have the Jaguars, who, by the way, beat the Chargers, look great? But why didn't we open up with Houston at home and have the Jaguars in week four? Or Seattle in week two in Seattle? I don't know. They gave the Raiders this brutal schedule where if you make a mistake or two or drop a touchdown, you're going to lose. If you get concussed and fumble the ball in overtime, scoop and score, you're going to lose. I told you all this was coming with the schedule. I just thought the schedule, they were either going to be 3-2 and two or 2-3. Two and three. Now they're 0-3. Oh 
Okay, I don't know anybody from Vic Tafer to Ed Graney to Colin Coward to Dan Patrick. Rich Eisen predicted him to win the division. I didn't. No one saw this 0-3 coming, and it's here. It's here, and you got to deal with 0-3. And can Josh McDaniels do it? He's more than qualified to do it. More than qualified to do it. Players make plays, coaches coach. And today on the Aftermath, we have, we're having a really good show, I believe, because we're being critical of the coach. Right, and the, and the body language of the team, the ability to get the play in in time. So that's critical. And then we're talking about the player, Darren Waller, who really had a bad game and dropped a bunch of balls that would have won the game. So we're covering the coach and we're covering the player who had a bad game. I don't know what else we can do. 702-365-9200, passionate Raider in Illinois is up next. Go ahead. What's up, JT, man? Here we go. 0-3, JT, just like I said. Didn't want it to be this way. Never wanted to be this way, JT. But I'm going to tell you right now, after rewatching that game again, JT, I'm not going to put this on Josh McDaniels, JT. There was plays that should have been made. There is plays that should have been made. Plenty of them that altered the, 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 that game, the alter game one, the alter game three. If there's players on this team that don't want to buy into this system, JT, they need to go. And they need to make the decisions and make them quickly because you see Devontae's frustrated. You see he's bought in. He's told everybody what it takes to win. Every single play you got to play. There are players out there on this team, JT, that are not going 100. They're not even going 85% per play. We've got, we've got liabilities on this defense, JT. The J. Jonathan Abram project has to be over. I understand he has to play right now because of the injury. But when this injury is over, this dude's got to go. And whoever else don't want to do what their assignment says, it's okay to make a mistake. We're human beings, JT. You're going to make mistakes. But when you consistently make the same mistake, and I am coming hard on this quarterback again, JT, there was plays to be made. Darren Waller had catches to be made. Yes, he does. Something is not vibing with them, too, and they have not been on the same page for three years, JT. 14 touchdowns, I believe, he has with Carr, maybe 15 with the one this year. JT, this is not working. Something has to be sacrificed. Moreau is plenty of capable enough to play tight end in this offense. Darren Waller does not need – we need a right tackle up on that line. The tight end needs to go. Something has to happen. Yeah, that's insane. Let me jump in. That's insane. But Darren Waller just got a contract. Darren Waller is one of the great athletes in the league. Darren Waller is one of the great human beings in the league. His foundation is tonight. I keep uh, publicizing that because that's who he is. He had a bad game. Okay, Foster Moreau, who I saw getting taped up after practice before the plane, excuse me, after the game, as he was icing up. And that guy's a warrior. I saw him as I was getting changed and looked over, and that guy looked like a poster for a warrior uh, after the game getting ready to get on the flight. He gave it everything he had. Darren Waller will be fine. I'm not worried about Darren Waller. I'm not. Uh, Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus just reports the Chargers are down two wide receivers, two starting offensive linemen, and their quarterback has broken rib cartilage. But they still had him out there down a million with a few minutes left because he didn't want to give up on his team. She's, he says. The, so I look at Denver, they're playing like garbage. They're more than capable of winning here Sunday. As I said, we, the Raider Nation, the team did, we're the fans, got Vic Fangio fired. 
Vic Fangio got fired because he couldn't beat the Raiders. Couldn't beat the Raiders. I think he lost four in a row against the Raiders. Gone. Now Nathaniel Hackett, they're booing him at home because he can't get the plays in. The clock's a disaster. And they should have got beat by the 49ers. I know that was a tough game last night for Raider Nation who didn't want the Niners to win. They're one and two, but really wanted Denver to lose. And that was one of the worst football games ever played since Leather Helmets. But they got two wins. It'd be nice if the Broncos were one and two. Let's do reality here. Okay, I know it's going to drive a few of you crazy. This is what this is what should easily be reality. Raiders are one and two. Broncos are either zero and three or one and two. The Chargers are one and two, and the Chiefs have a loss and are two and one. That would have been perfect. And I hate being one and two. You know, you know what I think about zero and three. The Raiders should be one game behind Kansas City in the loss column, with the Chargers full of injuries and Denver a mess. Not the case. Everyone's looking at the 0-3 Raiders. And we'll get through it. Got to get a win. Got to get a win. We'll be at the torch on Sunday with Eric Allen. Right there with you, hoping that the Raiders get a win. Legends coming to the game. Hoping the atmosphere is hot. Mark Anderson will join us next from the Review Journal. We talk to him every other Monday. UNLV is 3-1. and one. That's a big story here for Marcus Arroyo in town. Coming off the Aces Parade, Mark Davis. But we'll stay with the Raiders with Mark Anderson, who will join us next. 702-365-9200. Harry Ruiz will join us here in a couple of days. He's in for me on Wednesday. Have a big event at the stadium for a corporate sponsor of the Raiders. And then we'll get ready for Denver. So a big week, and I got some good Denver insiders coming up here. The Denver story is really interesting. Because something's not right with them, but they're finding a way to win. They're finding a way to win in Denver as they're playing poorly. Four wide receivers. Bonner takes the snap, drops back again, and he's pressured. And he's hit by Plant, but he's still on his feet. Now he fires for the end zone, and the pass is intercepted by the Rebels, and that will end the game. It was Jordan Morgan who picked it off. Noel Williams who picked it off. And this game is over. The Rebels get a conference win in their first conference game of 2022 and they get it on the road all right there it is russ langer on the call good news uh, rebels are three and one mark anderson joins us the great columnist from the review journal and before we get to the raiders you know give me a reality check on unlv football they're beating some teams they're supposed to win but that was a problem in the past where they lost a lot of those games what's the vibe around the or around the team the players the administrators everyone on the team I think there's a lot of optimism, obviously, and it surprised me. I thought this was like a four-win team. I now think they have a shot at the winning the conference. Uh, you look at this conference, it's it's about as down as I can remember seeing it. They're playing at a really high level right now. Um, they That game against North Texas was just an impressive win, and then to go on the road and beat Utah State, which a place they never win, uh, mm-hmm. the defending conference champions, and it was just it was just really impressive. Uh, I, I just think they and Air Force are the only teams really playing well right now. Um, uh, they're the only teams I see that, um, if, if you had to tell me right now, pick, a, pick a, uh, a championship game, that looks like the championship game to me. And uh, it's just pretty remarkable what UNLV's doing. 
Yeah, Mark Anderson's our guest. It truly is good. So what's the strength of the team? What, are, what have they done that you thought they could do okay, but they're overachieving at? And what's, what do you think are they improving the most at, which they had to improve to be competitive? I think, you know, it's it sounds like a simple answer, but I really do think quarterback. And, and I did you know, a lot of Brunfield going into the season. My concern with him is still concerned is how health, can he stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and play at this level, mm. they'll, they'll keep building on what they're doing and, and, and have a great season. And um, uh, But, you know, it just going into the season, I, I, I didn't know. I thought he'd do well. I think he's probably playing even better than I thought he would. And you'll put the last time, you know, he had – good, consistent quarterback play it was when Caleb Herring was quarterback, and that was their last bowl team. So, you know, it's not a coincidence to me that they're getting top-level play from the from the most important position uh, and winning. Um, you know, it, it's just that kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. And, and I, th- I think probably the defense is playing a little bit better, or they are playing better than I thought they would uh, would be. And uh, they're actually getting some teams some fits right now. So it's um, that that's uh, that's something I didn't see coming either. Uh, Mark Anderson joins us from the Review Journal. Let's get to the Raiders. You know, I think they, they deserve their record at 0-3 with all the mistakes. They're playing one half and not playing the other half. And they're fr- playing from behind under a lot of stress here. They, they're dealing with massive injuries to keep players there. What surprises you most about this 0-3 start? Uh, they're not playing great situationally. Uh, mm-hmm. That was yeah. the hallmark of this team last season. That they just found ways to win games, and and it was kind of a red flag to me. And I, I guess I didn't make too much of it about it at the time, but it's kind of sticking out in my mind recently. When Josh McDaniel said before the season that this team has to learn how to win games, and they did. They did know how to win games. They they did that last season, and so I look back on that now, and it just seemed like just such an odd statement to make, you know, because um, mm-hmm. that that was that was a real strength of this team last season. They found ways to win these tight games, and now they're not. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what really the overlying reason is. It's just that, uh, and maybe it's a, you know, some they call it reversal to the mean or whatever they mm-hmm. say it. Maybe that's as, maybe as simple as that, that the games that they were winning last year, they just aren't winning this year. And, and you know, it's just kind of the, the averages are playing out a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think the season's over. I mean, obviously the, the historically it, it doesn't look good, 3% go on and make the playoffs after an 0-3 start, but... You know, this is only the second year of a 17-game season, so it gives them a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's 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 a tough tough spot. Uh, but you know, if they can if they can uh, win this weekend and then maybe get something going, then you know, look at last year. It looked like they were mm-hmm. completely out of it and hit that run at the end of the season. So uh, maybe they can draw on that. Yeah, it's interesting because I you know I look at the schedule, but now I'm not. I just. I'm at a point where it's just one game at a time. There's no looking ahead. Can't do right. it. I'd lose my mind. But the Jaguars are better. They're on the schedule. The Colts just beat Kansas City. They're on the schedule. You know, there's there's some teams that I didn't think would be. Houston really is that only game where you look at and say they're better than. And now everybody else, you wonder what's going to happen. You know, Mark, you've been doing this a long time, and you've written hundreds to thousand columns on this topic. The coach doesn't jump off size. The coach doesn't drop a touchdown at the one-yard line. The coach, you know, doesn't, you know, fumble the ball and there's a scoop and score, but the coach has got to take the heat. So knowing Josh McDaniel's success as an overall coach in New England and playing a big role in that, that juggernaut of a team, to just looking for a first win there, how do you as a journalist look and say, well, it's not all his fault, some of it is, some of it's on the players, how complicated is it? 
It's very complicated. You're right. You can't just boil it down and saying it's this guy's fault and that, or you know, not that guy's fault. Obviously, he's the head coach. He takes the greatest, you know, responsibility. But yeah, I mean, if Darren Moore makes that catch and you know catches that ball in the end zone, it, you know, he has his first probably has his first win as the Raiders coach. So, right. uh, you know, if if uh, you know they convert that two point conversion goes in overtime, may may still get that win. So, you know, they had the Arizona beaten. So, you know, it's just. It's just—it's really easy to say it's all his fault. I don't buy into that right mm-hmm. now. It's way too early to to judge him. Uh, you can't—I—I I just don't look back at Denver. He was almost a completely different person and coach at that point. Sure. That what he did in Denver really has almost no relevance to now. Uh, you know, so I—I think—I think he deserves deserves a legitimate uh, a chance to prove himself and. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure one season's enough time. Uh, I think you need to give him a couple of years and see where you are, and, and and then make an evaluation. But after three games, I just don't think you can do that. Mark Anderson, Review Journal, last one. You know, you know the team, and you know the market here well. It really seems to me to be roster development. They didn't get you know pro. Trent Williams isn't walking into that room. You're not going to get a Larry Allen from back in the day. But they've got to focus this organization now on getting two offensive linemen who have played in this league at a high level or get a great one in the draft. And then the rest of it, you know, there's a couple of obvious upgrades that are going to happen. Jonathan Abram, what they're going to do possibly, you know, the office I think is pretty set. Special teams are fantastic. Mac Hollins is a great player. Renfro, Devontae, Waller, Moreau. They have all that covered, but there's just a couple of more roster spots that they need to explore on. And I'm disappointed with Chandler Jones because, yeah. You know, we're critical of everybody. What about him? If he gets around the corner once or twice against Kyla Murray or once against Tannehill in the second half of that game, the Raiders could win. Yeah, I, I, it's, that surprised me too. I don't, I don't know why he's he's not producing a higher level because I mean, you brought him in there to be the bookend with Max Crosby and and really give a, a opposing offensive linemen just all, all sorts of grief and how he bought those guys and and Crosby seems like he's pretty much holding up his end right now but uh, yeah you're not hearing anything of Chandler Jones and I and I don't understand why the one major criticism I will have the new regime is I don't understand why they didn't address the offensive line better during the offseason everyone knew it was a weakness uh and that they needed to upgrade and they just didn't do it and and I just I don't I I just I've never heard a really adequate explanation of why they why they didn't do it and so I, I do think they, they, that's the one area you can really take them to task on. Yeah, and that's why we have you on, because you are a voice of reason. You've seen a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. You're not super emotional, and you get the big picture. Thanks for doing this, Mark. Always appreciate your time. I appreciate you saying that, JT. You take care. Thanks. Yeah, Mark Anderson's very good. That's why he's on the show. The people that I have on a consistent basis, which is every two weeks, are here for a reason. They bring something important. He, I wanted to talk to UNLV football. He didn't think they'd win four games. They're 3-1. and one. He owns up to it and what the Raiders need to do, and especially with all the chatter and what's happening with the head coach, you know, being 0-3, he's the type of guy that can kind of see through it and see through it. You know, for me, I don't get overly negative about one player. Football is the ultimate team sport. That being said, you could change one play in each of the first three games and be 3-0, and but you can't. All we can do is attack this week and get a W. I believe once the Raiders win the first one, then they have the opportunity to take off because they have the players to do that. 
I just wish the fans could support the guys during the stretch versus dragging them down. But go Raiders, your fans. And again, I said I wish or this. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. People tell me what to do on Twitter all the time, and I've never met one of them. Never met one of them, right? When they say go to blank, go to this. Never met one. Still looking for the first one. They never come out. They hide in the basements, and they're trolls, and they're negative. I just get, not concerned, but I, I, I just get, I'm in shock because when I grew up as a fan, there was no social media. Probably you too. There was none. It was just recent, and it's a sewer. And But I got to look at social media. I got to get involved with it. I got to tweet the guest. I got to tell you what happened, blah, blah, blah. And then you just put that out there, and then all hell breaks loose because the team drops a ball, they lose a game, and everybody sits around and just says, oh, my God. Whose fault is it? It's always got to be someone's fault in America today. It's always someone's fault. Whose fault is it? Is it the coach? Is it the quarterback? Is it the tight end with the drops? Is it the offensive line jumping off sides? What is it? It's a team. This is a team sport, win or lose. And that's why I think I haven't gotten to half of the content I wanted to get to today, a third of it. I think the good thing that came out of this this is nothing good with losing. So let me preface by saying the one thing that came out of it that I'm keeping an eye on is Devontae's pissed. Take it from me. I saw his eyes. I don't know him. I don't know him. He's pissed. And that's a good thing because you got to follow that guy in practice. That's a guy who's not going to be benched because he had mental errors on a Wednesday practice and he couldn't play on Sunday because the coaches and the organization had to make a point saying, hey, we're coming back after a loss to Arizona, which was devastating, and then we're having a a padded practice on Wednesday, and a few of you guys, wink, wink, aren't ready to play at the level that we need you to play in this new football organization led by these gentlemen. So you're not playing. You're going to stand on the sideline and watch. And if you don't get it right, we're getting other guys in here. We'll just go get them off the scrap heap. We'll go find them somewhere. We'll get them off a practice squad. Those are the decisions that I watch the closest because the people making those decisions are doing it for the betterment of the team. They're not going to let someone have a bad practice and then play because then the rest of the team's going to look around and go, man, I could have a crap practice. I could, I could be not 100% locked in. I'm going to play. No, 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 not with these guys. These guys come from the Belichick tree. They do it differently than the other trees, and they do it better. It's not working out that way at 0-3, but they have a plan, and I'm interested in the plan. I'm interested in the big picture. You might not be today, and that's why we let you come in and spit venom and come on in big, and as we always say, sound off if you got a pair. Someone, Some T-shirt guy's got to make me a shirt, man. JT the Brick Show. Sound off like you got a pair. Because, man, we're doing it a little bit more than I wanted to do this year up until now. Jared in Vegas, a local guy. Hello, Jared. What's happening? Hey, Brick. Thanks for having me on. And you Thank know you. what? I don't, I don't want to come out here and spew venom, at least the, the toxic mm-hmm. venom that this guy's got to go, that guy's got to go. You know what? Flat out, it's not good enough. It's all not been good enough. We've all, they've all had their bad week, whether it was week one, week three the coaches the players the organization has all had their bad week the problem that we are facing right now is that at 0-3 facing 0-4 with the team 
that knows how to win situationally. Forget about what their offense isn't doing. You know what they have been doing is finding a way to win. So what we need to do is get out of this danger zone where everybody's going to doubt and flat out some of them give up on this Josh McDaniels regime because that's what's going to happen. You know, 0-3, 0-4, people are going are gonna, to, regardless of what they're, mm-hmm. what, what's going on, they're going to start checking out. And that's the danger that is facing this team. I love, I love my Raiders. I always have. And I've followed them 4-12, and 4-12, and 8-8, whatever they are. I've always followed them. But you know the biggest problem that we find ourselves in is expectation. We all had expectations. And I think that we're starting to find out that these players had expectations, but they didn't remember what it was going to take to get it done. They forgot the grit that they had last year to find a way to make it happen. You know what? We made a couple of plays that made these games yep. look close. And maybe that's a maybe that's the detriment is that it felt closer to them than it really was. You know what? I walk I watch it from a different angle. I right. feel like those games weren't close. I don't think that they were that close. I think we were doing everything we could and that was garbage time, JT. Mm-hmm. That was garbage time to me. So for me, it's all not good enough. Like forget Forget just doing it. Forget the process. I think you all need to, they need to turn over every stone and find out what's going to be the new process to get this done. Yeah. Because it hasn't worked. It's flat out not good enough. No, it's not. Appreciate the call. Look, I was never a guy who said that. I just repeated the obvious that they had the ball with an opportunity to beat the Chargers. I didn't think, you know, that was a game that I didn't have circled as a win. Sorry to tell you. But they could have won that game, but I didn't go crazy about that they blew the Arizona game. The Arizona game would have changed everything. That would have been one and one, one and two, and one and two is not fine, but considering what's happening in the division, it would have been fine. One and two would have been fine coming in today with Denver coming in, playing the way they are to get to two and two. Different show. So, look, the Arizona game is really going to be what we look back on, is the Arizona game. That was a collapse of epic proportion, and it's now snowballing where a lot of people around the organization and many fans think they could still turn it around. But we'll know where to look. We can go back to that Arizona game. That's why it was important to beat Tennessee. Tennessee's not a very good team. They're a good organization, well coached, but they don't have a good roster. Raiders should have tore them up. They tore up the Raiders' defensive secondary. The Raiders and Derek Carr should have tore them up the entire game. And they had another poor start on defense, and it really changed the game. Antonio in Modesto on the Raider flagship. What's happening? Hey, JT, what's up, man? Looking forward to meeting you next uh, Sunday about 1 o'clock. Or probably, I'll be there early. I'll be at the torch, so I'm excited Good. about that. Um, I'm not going to say the P word, but, you know, there's a couple teams in the AFC East uh, that are looking like they're the real deal. So maybe one team out of the AFC mm-hmm. West might get make might make the the p word i won't say it mm. but um a couple of things i want to i want to i'm a small criticism I, I i love the way jacobs was getting in the groove yesterday i would love to see him get the rock you know he's going for the money bag um but i i gotta think that josh mcdonald ziegler looked at all the tape in the world and my in my point and I'll, I'll get off the air quick mm. is that interior defensive front not the two edge guys even though we know Chandler. I got to believe they watched film on Chandler and Yannick and Gogway, and they compared it and they made their call. But I, you know, we switched out that that interior, the whole new interior besides Hankins. And Hankins was looking gas. He was missing mm-hmm. tackles yesterday. So that's what I want to see. Yeah. Uh, Fourteen games left uh, to go. Um, who knows where it's going to go, man? I've been been uh, luckily. I'm old enough. I've seen the glory days 
I seen Snake in 75 when I was a kid, 76, 77. So I'm sticking it out. Um, I'm not happy about it. But people, uh, instant gratification, man, it doesn't always work that way out. So uh, let's see what the next few weeks come. I'm looking forward to see you on Sunday, JT. Sounds good. Come see us at the Torch. I appreciate that. You know, I'm, I'm, I've told you, I think there was a promo or an opening that Bobby put together and imaged. We haven't had a defensive tackle since Warren Sapp and Daryl Russell. God rest his soul. You know, the Jelly Ellis era, what we have now, Hankins, decent player. This is not Aaron Donaldson and Dominic and Sue in their prime. That's another issue that I think that Dave will fix, and they'll find a way to get a young player. They, they drafted a couple of young defensive tackles, but they're not as good as the veterans to get in there and get significant playing time, and that is important. Look at the spine of the defense. Go Hankins, then go no Perryman and no Trayvon Merrick. That's a lot. You know, you don't have an elite defensive tackle, nowhere near elite. You don't have an elite linebacker because he's injured. And then you don't have an elite free safety with upside because he's injured. That, that hurts the team. Injuries caught up. Man, the Raiders came out of the preseason 4-0. and Who cares, but healthy. Remember that first injury report? It was beautiful. It was like wallpaper in your house. Look at this injury report. No one's on it. Literally, there was like Divine Diablo wrist the last day. Now it's not the case. Now they're injured, and a lot of guys are injured. But the Chargers are injured more than anybody. There's injuries around the league. Guys are dropping. It's a tough sport. And the Raiders have got to now work hard all week as they're 0-3. That's veterans. Those are leaders. Those are coaches. Those are people on the staff that are going to hold the players accountable and the owners holding the coach accountable, the GMs holding the scouts accountable. I think that's pretty good inside the building. If it changes, I'll let you know. It hasn't changed. Everybody's going to work and working hard. We'll wrap it up next. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium. Pretty incredible, Albert Pujols got to 700. I said he had to come back to get there. You know, at the All-Star break, I didn't think he'd get anywhere close to it. He did. Now, I don't know how he doesn't come back next year. He's peaking right now. He's hitting home runs easily. Come back and pass Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is in front of you. You're fourth. Go get Babe Ruth. And then the guys who at the ultimate, you know, Barry Bonds doesn't count. That's an asterisk. So when you look at this, you get a chance to go after Babe Ruth and pass Babe Ruth. You're only behind Henry Aaron because Bonds' record doesn't count. It's a huge deal. And Judge is waiting for that final home run. He can't get it. He needs it. He didn't get it against Boston. Boston walked him a bunch. The rain delayed just the fact that they're pitching him hard. So that's coming up any night this week. I'll be on tonight for the National Radio fans on Sirius XM 82, 6 to 9 p.m. Coming off Nashville, good to be back in Vegas. Lou in L.A. on the Raiders mobile app. Hello, Lou. Hey, JT. How you doing? Thanks for good, Lou. Uh, letting me come on your show. Hey, JT, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I've been a fan for a long time. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing no fingers at anybody or uh, anything like that. Here's the biggest thing. I'm I'm just disappointed in just not the play. I'm just disappointed that 
in the whole organization. JT, I've been, I mean, you've been around for a long time. We know that. But the biggest problem, we just, we're just not consistent. And that's, that's the thing. It's not even about winning or losing. It's about, it's about being consistent every, every week, every, every game, every, there's no consistent. We don't have identity. We don't know if we are a running team or a passing team. If you, you can tell me and I'll let you go. If you can tell me what, what we are, if we are a running team or a passing team. I well, let me stop. Let me stop. We, they need to be an elite, elite passing team okay. without an elite quarterback. A very good quarterback, not elite. Okay. They need okay. to be a great, outstanding passing team. Okay. Or why the hell did we bring Devontae in for two first-round picks? you got to go to Devontae, 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 Waller, Renfro, Hollins. Devontae, 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 Waller, Renfro, and Hollins. And that cleans it all up. Get the ball yeah. to these guys. Right, right. I agree with you, JT. Hey, last thing, JT. I just want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. He, um, the meeting yesterday with Mark and, uh, and, yeah. and, and Josh McDaniels, it, was that just a, a meeting to this? Um, was Mark then like the. the no one knows. Play? Let me stop you. Let me stop you okay. there. No one from okay. Ed Craney who wrote okay. about it, who has uh-huh. great sources. Appreciate the call. I got to run to Q, who's coming up next. That's a private meeting between the owner and the coach. The quarterback doesn't know what they talked about. The only people that know what was said in that meeting is Mark Davis and Josh McDaniel's wife. No one knows. They had a conversation. Mark talks to the uh, Mark, the owner, talks to the coach after every game. Again, I didn't have a stopwatch. I wasn't there. If it went a little bit longer because Mark wanted some answers, he has the right to do that. He's the owner of the team. He's paying all these guys enormous money to win in front of the fans who are in full force there. So I'm not saying don't make a lot of it because when Mark Davis wants to speak to you, it's a big deal. Sean Payton said it uh, today on Colin Coward's show. Sean Payton said it's like when dad comes home and you know you're going to have to meet with your dad and you're nervous and that door's going to shut and there's going to be a conversation. It's like that. That's coming from Sean Payton, who's really tight with Mark and knew Al Davis. That's good. I like when Mark's engaged like that. He's always been engaged. People don't give Mark enough credit for that. Mark is on top of the team He's just not Al Davis. He's different than this owner or the next owner, but he's as passionate as anybody to win. Even Mark Davis's critics know that Mark wants to desperately win, and he continues to do whatever he can to get the fans an opportunity from a stadium with revenue to a practice facility that's the best, from bringing back John Gruden, hoping that would work, to bringing in Josh McDaniels. Everything he's doing is to try to win, and if it doesn't work out, he's open to the criticism like the head coach, and the players are. That's it. Today was a day to just kind of talk about the issues of another gut punch loss. These are gut punch losses because you know the team's got some good upside. They could really be a good team. I thought, you know, a better team with a tougher schedule than one that won 10 wins last year. That's why I didn't go crazy on the 10 or 11 wins because Vegas had them at eight and a half because Vegas saw the schedule, the change at the coach, and Vegas didn't believe in it. And so far, Vegas looks right. No playoff talk, no playoff talk from noon to two. None. Beat Denver. Beat Denver. Then we'll see what happens going into Kansas City until everybody gets a bye week. And at this point, everybody kind of loves the early bye week because I think they need it. I think you'd agree with that. They need an early bye week to get this thing back on track. Two's on deck. we got big shows lined up tomorrow. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Jeff Sherman from over at the Westgate. And we'll get some Denver Bronco insiders in here. Have a great day, everybody. Good to be back from Nashville. Talk to you tonight on Sirius XM 82.